This is the second part of my two-part interview with Dean Butler answering fan questions. Enjoy. Here we go. Um, here's one from Carrie. Carrie says, do you ever get recognized in your day-to-day life when you're out and about? You know, not, not so much anymore. And I spend most of my, you know, I spend the vast majority of my life in Los Angeles. People don't really come up to people in Los Angeles. Sure. You know, you, 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 uh, if you go other places, maybe they do. I mean, if you walk down the streets of New York and people know you, it's a yo, yo, you know I mean? It's like the, right. they'll, they'll call right out to you. Right. Um, but in Los Angeles, you know, everyone's in their cars and, you know, so there's, there's not, there's not so much that I would say very occasionally, you know, years ago, obviously it was, uh, uh, you know, a, a different matter because we were yeah. there, you know, I, you think about the audiences that, that people had in those days, you know, when, when the show was really performing well, we had audiences of 20 million people a week and that crazy watching the show, you know, now you're a huge hit on the networks if you have an audience of five six million people yeah i agree you're a massive hit with an audience right. like that right anybody would have been gone dead and buried with those numbers uh you know 30 years ago so yeah. uh it's just it's a it's a it's a different environment now uh than it was then so i i will tell you that when you know, when I first started appearing on the show regularly, I was stunned at the level of recognition that was coming at me. You know, you just don't know how powerful network television is until 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 you're on it. And then and then you realize, oh, my God, people are watching this. Yeah. yeah and, like- and they you know, and once they see you. They, and if they see you multiple times, and of course in a series, you're going to see someone multiple times. That's the enormous power of a series is you're being yeah. exposed to people over and over and over again. It's a, it's a pretty head turning experience. You know, look, I, I did not get the kind of, the kind of, uh, the kind of heat that someone like John Travolta got doing what's, you know, welcome back Cotter. Right. Uh, what's, you know, it wasn't that kind of thing. I don't know that anyone would have wanted to be him in that situation right you know that kind of recognition totally changes your life i I never had life-changing recognition where i had to change my behavior in my life where i couldn't go to the grocery store or couldn't go to the gym or couldn't whatever that's a gift never it was never like that that was a big gift for you i'll tell you yeah no i could live my life and have a nice level of recognition and people were always very respectful. I mean, you know, I, it was, it was always a good thing. It was not a, you know, it was not never a bad thing. Um, So, um, so, so I'm not, not so much these days, obviously I get a good dose of it when I do, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder events, then, you know, we're the sort of, we're the main act and everybody knows you at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. That's enough. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This was from Sarah. You kind of answered this. I'm going to kind of go into her second part. She just said, any chance of of you doing a movie based on Farmer Boy? You and Melissa could play James and Angelina Wilder. I'd be, I'd be, you know, you have to find someone who will buy a movie like that. Right. You know, I, you know, it's interesting. I think, 
What's really going to be fascinating is when the books go into the public domain. Yeah. And that's coming sooner than we think. Wow. You know, the first and the ninth book will go into the public domain in 2027. My gosh, that is soon. And the last of the books will go into the public domain by 2038. Hmm. So, look, none of us may be around by 2038. Most of us will still be here in 2027. Uh, In foreign countries where copyright is only good for 50 years, the books are in the public domain all over the world. Anyone can do anything with the books in a lot of places. Here in the United States, you know, it's the date of publication plus 95 years. So, um, and it's just amazing that we are creeping up on that. Yeah, that is pretty wild. So if it if it came up and, and you were offered it, would and it was the right circumstances, would you well, want to do it? Oh my God, of course. I mean, I think we'd all do it. Yeah. I you know, we'd all do it. I I just don't I I don't see that happening. Um, but I think Farmer Boy is a wonderful book. It's you know, it's it it is a standalone story about a you know about a, a boy with a love of horses and who eats the best food, you know, in, uh, in, in, in the county every single day, apple pie for breakfast, apple pie for lunch, apple pie for dinner. I mean, this kid, they all ate like prize porkers. It yeah. just was unbelievable. <laughs> and, you know, Laura, it's really, people thought Laura really, really dug into the food with Farmer Boy because throughout her life, they really had nothing. Right. They were hungry so much of the time. Yeah. That, you know, yes, there's food, but you're, what, what you get in the rest of the books is the remarkable spareness of the food. Yeah. You feel like most of the time they had enough to eat, sometimes not quite enough. Rarely did they not, I mean, they always had something, but even in the long winter when it got really bad, there I was, was something. Say, yeah. In Farmer Boy, the table is laden three meals a day. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, there was a woman, a woman named Barbara Walker who wrote the Little House Cookbook who just revels in these recipes that I think she's recreated. She recreated a lot of these recipes for this book. And, um, and she, you know, she just lo- tells the stories about apple pie morning, noon, and night. And right. she just loves it. He... He ate very, very well and had a wonderful relationship with his parents. When his father was stern, his mother was very stern. Great relationship with his older sister, Eliza Jane. It's just, it's, it is such a charming book to read. It would make a, it would make a wonderful story. It would, it would. My boys loved it. We read it to him twice. It was really good. Um, Okay. Here's, well, actually, before I go to the next page, Here's Bill from Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is an interesting one, actually. Is it true that you see a similarity between Michael Landon and Laura Ingalls Wilder? If that is the case, in what way? I think that they saw the world. Yeah, so the answer is, the short answer is, yes, I think there is a commonality. Look, you if you looked at these two people, you'd say, they have nothing in common. Right. In spirit. I think there's a lot in common. There That's is so a, 
I think that there is a, I, I think there were similar kinds of storytellers. Both were very spare in the way they wrote their stories. There's not a lot of embellishment going on in any of this. And Michael wrote, Michael wrote very simply. And, and there's a great craft to being able to write simply. You know, you, you know, people, anyone can overwrite. Right. Michael wrote so sparely that there was always room around the dialogue for life to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and Laura wrote so atmospherically that you see these places that she uh, that she lived and that she wrote about in the experience. I mean, people love reading these books to see how, you know, how Ma sews or, you know, Mary sews. Oh, totally. Totally. And uh, the, you know, the hooking up of the horses and the, you know, the the planting the seeds for the crops, which was wonderfully done in Farmer Boy, um, the stoking of the fires, the banking of the stove at night, the going to waking up in the morning and the frost on the quilts and you you know she makes you see it mm -hmm. and and you feel it as they're as they're living there. So I think. I think they both would have appreciated each other very much. To look at them, you could not find two people more different. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, these are not two people that you'd say, well, they, you know, they're going to look, you know, they'd be great hanging out together. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't see that. No. <laughs> um, but I think they would have got. Look, it would have been a. I think it would have been a really nice visit if they both, you know, with the, both of them understanding what the other had done. Laura passed in 1957. She never right. saw Little House. She never right. saw Bonanza. She never, you know, she didn't know who Michael Landon was. Sure. Um, you know, Michael absolutely knew who she was. And I think he, I don't know that Michael, you know, I don't know that Michael was a devotee of the books at right. all. Right. What he was a devotee of was the, was the atmosphere yep. that she created. I think that hooked him right away. And yeah. he, you know, and then of course he, you know, he fills in with critical moments that, you know, I mean, look, the pilot, although he did not write the pilot, that was written by Blanche and Alice under the guidance of Ed Friendly. Um, I, you know, there, there are conflicting stories about whether Michael rewrote the pilot or whether it was shot word for word the way Blanche and Alice wrote it. I don't know the answer to that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I I, I just knowing Michael, I can't help but imagine that he did some rewriting. Oh, I don't gosh. know what it would have been. I don't, I don't yeah. know what he rewrote, but he would have done some rewriting. Right. right. I, I just think that it's just, it's just who he was. He was yeah. going to do that. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that show, that pilot, you know, follows the, the, that book, the Little House in the Prairie book. Right. Pretty nicely. Yeah, it does. So, it does. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. It really is. I, I love that question, by the way. That that's just wild. Great I question. never, I never thought of that. That's pretty cool. Okay, this is from, and this is more. I think what he uses as, uh, or her, 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 it could be a she too, for all I know. Cool and fine. I have no idea. Um, Twenty-two years of marriage is a significant record for Hollywood. What is the secret? Would you say to stay married for such a long time? laughter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta find a way to laugh at some of the stuff that happens mm -hmm. 
You know, I, uh, I think we, you know, we comment often that we are grateful that we are, that we are able to laugh uh, at, at, you know, at so many things. In, in my first marriage, I, I couldn't laugh. And in Catherine's first marriage, there was no laughter around the, the, the things that come up that happen that are going, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say we're laughing every second. I mean, tense moments in our I think I get it we if if you've been married that long trust me I get it that's about how long I've been married by the way so I understand so yeah so we but we are able to find ways to laugh and I think any couple who can be together for years and years and years has to be able to find a way to laugh at at uh certainly laugh at themselves definitely and uh and you know and be able to be uh humor you know be able to be humored by the things that their partners will say and do that they've said and done a million times exactly exactly. by the time you're there for 20 plus years it's true so um yeah i think so the the quick answer is laughter hopefully you can and i think that's more important i mean that's more important than anything frankly I, i mean i think that i think that you know r- romance is you know romance is really important but to be someone's partner right for a long period of time i mean i, I think it's amazing when people talk about the, you know there's still there's you know there's there's still like dating when they've been married for 20 years right. I, I think it's amazing but say. it's but it's the it's the i think it's the humor and the acceptance of each other that really allows you to stay in it. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with you. Um, there was a second question. I think you might have answered this in the first uh, episode we did together, but which job do you enjoy more, acting, producing, directing? No. Well, you know, I haven't done it. I haven't done a ton of directing. I love, I love doing that um, when I get the opportunity. And I certainly got to do that with the, Docs and I did that with a series called Faraday that you know we did. I certainly did some di- episode directing. Um, I I love the producing work because you know as an, an actor you're generally the last one hired and you're the first one gone. Yeah, well put. Because you're you know everything's been done. All the writing's been done. All the pre-prod's been done. Uh, all of that's done. The actors come in, they fit you for costumes and they send you out on the set. You do your bit and you leave. Literally. And they want you to leave. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they don't want you hanging around. And I, and I used to want to hang around and they don't want you hanging around <laughs> because someone then still has to be conscious of the fact that you're hanging around and they've got to sort of be, you know, watching you and right. taking care of you. Um, I love the producing part of it because you start with a blank page and at the end of that process, there is something visual mm-hmm. that is, that has been created and you're involved in it every step of the way. And um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very, I don't know about very, but I'm a pre- pretty collaborative producer. I, I want to know, you know, what the people I'm working with think you know, think about what we're doing. 
Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a dictator about it. I'm very receptive to editors if they're strong story editors. Uh, you know, if they have a strong sense of story and rhythm, I am very interested in that. Um, I'm. I'm. I don't want to be a producer that's telling an editor every button to push, cut here, cut here, cut here. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to be that producer. Right. And the right. people I know who can absolutely do that and want right. to do that. Mm-hmm. And I thought I wanted to do that in the beginning. I needed to be in the room every second and I wanted to manage every step of the process because it was so new to me. Right. Now, I reached the point, particularly 10 years of doing the, the show in, in Florida, I felt like, like the best work was going to be done if I got out of the room and let the editor work let right. the editor and i trusted the i trusted both of our editors enormously they were very talented guys with and it and it takes that i mean you have to trust that they really know what they're doing and then i think you just want to get out of their way and and let them work so you're not slowing them down constantly by you know, a frame here, a frame there, which can be very frustrating. There, you know, there's always time to do those little corrections, but you want to let them move through the idea. And um, and you're enjoying your job uh, more than too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then you know, you're off writing. I, you know, you're off writing packages, or you're selecting music, or you're, you know, you're you're doing whatever you need to do in order to keep the process moving forward. But let the editor do the cutting. And that's what they're there for. That's what they're being paid to do. Uh, I have no interest in editors who are button pushers. I want to know that someone has a point of view about what we're doing and that they can, that if, if the material is there, that they can move through it. And I trust when they tell me I need something, I need X to, to fill this moment. You've got to get me this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, you know, when I'm working with someone who's really strong, I'm really receptive to that. And then it's, it's my job to go out and get that thing for them so they can keep moving forward. But I, I yeah, so as the favorite thing, I mean, look, there's no buzz that you get like being an actor. I mean, you're, right. you know, you're getting, you're getting way too much credit and unfortunately way too much blame yep. when something doesn't work, but you get a lot more credit than you deserve when something's good. Mm-hmm. Um, as a producer, you don't necessarily get the credit. The public has no idea what you're right. doing. Half the time, they don't even know the producer. They yet. don't know. They just don't know. But um, but I think the producer. But I think that producers and, and writers have more fun doing this work than anybody does. Mm-hmm. Much more fun than actors have. Yeah, I get um, it. At least from that was my experience as an actor. I. I didn't have nearly as much fun doing that. And I wish I had more fun. Yeah. Um, but I have much more fun working, you know, working as a producer than I've much ever deeper. had. Yeah. yeah. What? Okay. Here is, here's uh, one, not, not long, but it's a little bit more paragraph. We all know and love the fictitious town of Walnut Grove. I was wondering if charter tour planes ever flew over while filming and filming had to be halted for that reason. I'm sure... There were a lot of people interested in the town itself and would want to see an aerial view, which would be amazing. We've seen the chemtrails in the sky when we watch certain episodes, but I was just wondering about smaller planes. Loved you on the show, Nancy, Plymouth, Pennsylvania. Okay, well, Nancy, um, airplanes flew over constantly and we never stopped. 
Wow. For play. Wow. Wow. So, um, I mean, I want never is too strong a word. Never, nothing's ever never. I'm not going to say we didn't stop occasionally, but look, we were in the approach patterns of three different airports. Oh my gosh. Burbank, Van Nuys was corporate airport. Um, Santa Monica that would have been, would have been, you know, long up, but really, okay. The two probably mainly Burbank, which is a big, which is a much busier airport today than it was then, but still right. a busy commercial airport. Yeah. And Van Nuys, which is a very busy corporate airport. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, airplanes were going by all the time. And so, you know, we looped, we looped 90% of what we shot outside. Wow, wow. So Allison has said that too, by the way, about the noise. Oh my god. And, and the there noise. boy, there is no quicker way to destroy a performance than go on a looping stage and screw it up. Oh gosh. I mean, if you can't get yourself back in that place, wow. and if you're you know, and and we didn't do ADR where you're looking at the picture and you hear the three beeps and you repeat the line and you're looking at the picture so you can put yourself right back there you we did. literally were looping so there's a mag on mag on a playback machine with three beeps built in and we're just hearing what we did that's it there was a, and we could go in and do 50 loops in a half an hour you couldn't do 50 loop 50 adr loops in a day right you're right i mean it, it's a lot but we did so much looping because not only because of airplanes but horses wagon noise harnesses truck noise if there's a crane working i mean you know there were all kinds of things going on off camera that were making wow. noise we just had to shoot you just because you'd never get it done if you didn't keep shooting so um you know some if you watch the episodes and you sometimes hear if you're aware, if you're really aware of what looping sounds like as opposed to naturally recorded dialogue. Now look, yeah. after it was after the, you know, after the dialogue was looped on the, you know, on the mixing stage, they're pumping in the, they're pumping, they're putting back the sound of the horses. They're putting back the sound of the wagons. They're putting, they're putting in the wind and the birds and, you know, the 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 crickets at night. And, you know, all of these things are going back in. But during the day or at night, you're hearing generators, you're hearing the, you know, the 737s landing at, at Burbank, uh, the G5s coming in to, you know, to, to uh, vandalize. So, you know, it, it was just so, it was just something that everyone had to deal with. And that was just part of it. That's and, wild. Uh, yeah. That's so, yeah, so yes, we were very aware of the airplanes, and that was just one small part of the extraneous noise that was going on. Wow, just amazing. Um, okay, this is from Robbie, and and I'm going to read it the way that he sent it, uh, or, or her. Once again, it could be a her. Uh, and if it completely makes sense here, why did they not make the 15 years episode for Baby Grace when a kid kissed her on an episode of Little House? So at the end of um, at the end of he loves me he loves me not I think is what is what 
the episode was when Paul comes up to Lauren Almanzo and says, two years, you have to wait till you're 18. Mm. And this is, you know, and, and you also got Nellie and Percival who are there too. And, you know, that relationship is, uh, um, you know, that, did they just, did we watch them get married there? I think we did. Um, at, but so at the end of that, Michael wanting to button this, you know, this young romance thing, um, you know, puts baby Grace in this situation and brings this little boy who I think was a nephew of Michael's, the little boy, wow. a relation of Michael's. And, and, <laughs> and he, the line he wanted the little boy to say is, I want her, you know, and he, you know, he, I think he gave the kid some food and then took it away, some, you know, something, but he, you know, so that made him cry. Yeah, right. And then it got to, you know, being uh, being a kid on being a young child is, you know, on a set is about being manipulated. You're, you know, yeah. you are going to be manipulated, and everyone's got to be good with it, or you just can't be there. Right. Um, a parent can't have their child there if that's if they're upset by that. So yeah, so it was the button of the episode, and Michael, you know, you're going to wait till you're 18, young lady, as he scoops up Grace and carries her away, and the little boy. Oh, that's right. There's a there's uh yeah, there's a little graphic at the end, you know, coming in 15 years, something like that. I mean, I think that's what you're referring that's to. That's what it oh, is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank exactly. you. Yeah. Uh standby or you know, coming in fifth coming up in 15 years. I don't you read what it what it said. But um yeah, I mean, we weren't gonna be around that long. This, <laughs> right, was, right. this, this, this was the end of season six when this happened um you know we were going to go three more years uh so we weren't going to see baby grace um, <laughs> you know, get married it's interesting you know we do all these events now and yeah. wendy turnbaugh who was baby grace yeah. is out with us now as a you know as a 40 something woman so lovely so sweet she's a mother of two or three herself college age kids and you know and the and fans love her mm -hmm. and you know she's got all the pictures with she with with melissa and with michael and karen and you know all of those kinds of images and she's just is absolutely charming and lovely and um you know so she's she, she's still in it in a you know in an in a, wow. after nothing in it for years and years and years and years i think this really she only sort of plugged back into this i want to say like three years ago wow that's just amazing. three four years ago she plugged back into it and she's been embraced beautifully by fans and by older cast members who uh, love the fact that she's there because she makes us younger again <laughs> yeah. um and the the, the woman the woman now the woman jennifer uh her married name is Donati, who played Baby Rose, um, has started coming out with us again too, and she's lovely, wow. and and has the pictures with with Melissa and with me, and and fans are just adoring her, and That's she's having nice. she's having a great experience. So, uh, and again, we love having her there because she makes us younger. <laughs> okay, here's another one. This is. This is from Brent. Brent says he, uh, Brent here from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
I love Little House on the Prairie ever since I was a kid and appreciate how great the actors are. As a young actor and being picked by Michael Landon, did you feel intimidated at all by him? I know we've yes. talked a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> when I first came into the, when I, you know, I went back for the, I had four meetings on Little House and the fourth one, Michael was in the room. Yeah. And, you know, you could, in, if there were a picture in the dictionary next to, you know, what's the definition of a big television star? Michael's picture would have been there. Yeah. Should have been there. And, you know, he was like something out of a fan magazine with the with the silver hair and the Carrera sunglasses <laughs> and the deep tan. He'd been, in, you know, he'd been in uh, in Honolulu with the Kahala Hilton for weeks. So he was like, you know, baked brown and, you know, the, the tight denim shirt open, you know, halfway down his chest and, oh the, the, you know, the jeans sprayed on with a gun and the snakeskin boots and the gold chain around his, I mean, and the cigarette, wow. his teeth, it was like, I walked in the door saying, this isn't Charles Ingalls. <laughs> this is something completely different than Charles Ingalls. But, you know, he, he knew what he was playing. Michael had such command of what he was doing. Yeah. So, you know, in his life, he could present like the, the big TV star. And he, I think he loved being, I think Michael loved being famous. I mean, I, I think he totally dug it. And, and I think he was very generous with his fame. I think he, I think he was wonderful with fans. He'd sign an autograph for anybody, he'd take a picture with anybody. He'd do all of that. I think he loved being recognized, loved all of that. And, um, when you saw someone who was as good at everything he was doing as he was, yeah, it was intimidating. Oh, it was man. incredibly intimidating. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he 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 wanted to make it easy on people, but you know, you also knew that he expected you to deliver too. I mean, you know, he wasn't going to hold your hand. Right. He might hold your hand once or twice. But after that, you by God better do it, and uh, or it's or it's not going to be a, a good experience because he had so much pressure on him. Right. You know, he's he's counting on people to bring these characters to life, to bring these stories to life, and these stories are coming fast and furious every seven days. There's a new story coming. Wow. And um, you know, he needed to be he needed everybody to perform and and. Uh, he was so extraordinary doing everything that it was like, oh my God, how can anybody live up to this? Uh, when, just... when, Dean, when did you feel comfortable like in the role, uh, you know, to the point like, you know, you were kind of like, yes, he's he's intimidating. Yes, he needs you to perform in the set. But how far in did you feel like, okay, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm into the character. I'm a little bit more relaxed. I know my lines. Like where, where did that start to feel? Or did it? I don't know. I don't know that I ever felt totally comfortable until maybe until the very end. Wow. Um, the last episode we did, the last movie we did, Victor French directed, and I think I probably did the best work, other than, you know, moments. But I think I felt with Victor, who could be a friend, 
Right. Michael was never going to be a friend, Michael. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, he, I don't want to paint this picture that he was this hard ass. He wasn't. Oh, no, 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 no. I but, get it. But he was moving things along. Mm -hmm. you know, let, let's do this. Boom. Next, 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 next. So, you know, there wasn't really, and you felt the expectation, you know, you always right. felt he wanted, he was expecting you to deliver. So that was not, and Victor expected you to deliver as well, but it was different. Yeah, I get it. It was a different kind of expectation. Um, so I don't think I was ever really fully comfortable with Michael, which actually in an interesting way, totally worked for what the relationship needed to be right you know I, i'm the son-in-law i'm the i'm always a little behind the eight ball because yeah. i'm you know i'm either you know uh, his daughter is infatuated with me which made me a bad guy even though i didn't do anything to deserve right, that of course, of course and then and then when you know he becomes an active suitor it's like this guy is is stealing my daughter away or he's trying to take my daughter away and you know, so we got to play those moments. And then look, we had some we had some really nice moments working together too. I you know I loved scenes that we did together, like when we the episode where the in laws where we were running doing a shipping business and we bet each other who was going to you know get to Sleepy Eye faster. And you know we we both fail miserably. <laughs> so we, you know, so we have to cook dinner for Laura and Caroline. And of course we burn everything in the kitchen. And, you know, I really had fun with him and that because he was, he had a very particular style of light comedy that was, um, that was just a rhythm that was fun, yeah. you know? And so I, I think I had, I felt, you know, I felt pretty good in those moments because I work a little, I've, as an actor, I've always worked a little larger, a little mm -hmm. bigger perhaps than, um, subtlety is not my middle name as an actor. I, I, I am pretty, I, I think I'm probably much more effective on a stage than I am in front of a camera. Yeah. But, um, cause I work pretty large and it was everything I could do to control you know, my tendency to want to be big. bigger. Yeah. You know, he made me sit on my hands sometimes because he said, you know, your hands are so active. You just need to sit on your hands and that'll quiet your face down. I always remember him doing that to me one time. It was very, it was effective. And in a close up, no one knows what your hands are doing. Right. So, you know, I sat on my hands and suddenly my face got quieter and, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that works. Wow. That is cool. That's a cool little actor note. I yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's a, here's another one from the same same gentleman. Um, what did you? This is Brent. What did you learn from other cast members, not just Michael, that helped you with your acting? Well, I loved working with Catherine McGregor. Now Catherine McGregor fed into every instinct I had to work huge, <laughs> because, because you know, Mrs. Olson was just you know was a walking talking explosion of energy and bombast that was just like you know off the charts yeah i loved watching her work yeah you know I, I she just knocked me out every second she met she had so much fun and she was so skilled at what she was doing um kind of I, a scene I, stealer, I, actually oh my god totally yeah, yeah. totally totally now 
she didn't control the edit. Michael controlled the edit. So she was never going to steal a scene. He wasn't right. going to let that happen. Right. But, uh, but yeah, she could hold the lens. I mean, you know, when, when she was going, uh, you didn't want to take your eyes off of her. She was just so much fun to watch. And because of this character, this character she created, you know, when you watch the show in the beginning, Catherine was very almost, you know, was almost, um, she could be brusque and sort of rude mm -hmm. at times. She was, she was, I mean, that's, but I mean, she was figuring it out. Mm -hmm. By season three, she's the comic relief in the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, I think it really came together. I think it's a season three episode called The Camp Out, hmm. where, you know, she falls in a stream and she does, you know, she does all of this pratfall type stuff and physical comedy that she was so good at. Wow. And once the writers started to see, and I'm sure they were seeing it before The Camp Out, I mean, that's what got right. them to Camp Out. Right. But, you know, once she started, she realized something very important. She realized that if she was going to survive on the show, that audiences had to like her in addition to being really annoyed by her. Oh, yeah. They had to love seeing her get what was coming to her. So rather than being mean, she became foolish. That was sort of her guiding principle. I, I'm Mrs. Olson is foolish. And that, that gave her permission for every kind of uh, every kind of arrogant pronouncement and, um, you know, uh, puffed up piece of snobbery that she could bring, all of that. Wow. She was masterful with that stuff and audiences loved to see her get it in the end. So what did you take away then from that that, that you would well, say? I, I took away from that that I can't work that way. <laughs> I, I can't work that way i needed to be much more in line with what michael was doing wow very cool um you know now and victor french who's another wonderful who could work really big i loved him work big. Yeah. he was awesome yeah um i couldn't work that way either you know it just that was not the nature this was a romantic character almanzo was a straight man there were moments of fun you know we had we had we had some fun moments and we got to be a little, a little larger than life or a little more demonstrative emotionally or, or in, in sort of a humorous sense. But Almanzo was there to be a symbol of something for people. He was a symbol of, you know, he was there to be manly. He was there to be solid and steady. He was there to be the man who loves Laura. That was the job. Mm -hmm. I'm the man who loves Laura. And, uh, and that be, that was the focus, is be the man who loves Laura. And, you know, and you can't go wrong in that situation if your focus is being the man who loves Laura. <laughs> no, I don't think so. If yeah. go, I'll go right into this next question, which, I mean, I you know, Brent, I mean, fair enough on this question, but come on. If Melissa Gilbert was older, would there have been an off-screen romance? I doubt it. Yeah. I was so not, not Melissa's type. Mm -hmm. Melissa wanted dark, swarthy, you know, she had a massive crush on Rob Lowe during those. Exactly. Years. I think they dated. Uh, yeah, they did a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Melissa described me as a hayseed type that, uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, yeah. she wasn't wrong. 
Um, I took offense to it at the time, but in, you know, in retrospect, yeah, I was a hayseed. And that's why I was there. Right, exactly. Good, decent, non-threatening. You know, if there had been the slightest inkling that, you know, that Almanzo was a man with an angle who was working a situation, no way. That would have been a total fail for that character. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, now, and you know, now, you know, we're eight years apart. I mean, you know, Melissa's become a very attractive woman. And she's, Melissa's very, Melissa's very earthy, you know, in her, in her own way. She is. Um, and she's, I think she's just had quite a life journey. Mm-hmm. You know, being as famous as she was from the time she was nine years old to always, for the world, Melissa Gilbert is Laura Ingalls. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just no doubt about that. And she, she is now the mantle of our show with Michael gone. Mm-hmm. She's the mantle of the show. Alison Arngren is the, is, the, is the rock solid foundation of our cast. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Melissa's the heart and soul of the series. I mean, you know, n- no question. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that, um, I mean, look, we, it was challenging working together at times because, you know, we, we could never, re- I, have, I wish that we had been in retrospect, you know, like as the question suggests, I wish that we had been just a little closer in age Mm-hmm. so that there would have been some opportunity to have something in common. Sure. At, at that point, 15 and 23, there can be nothing in common right. and, and nothing beyond exactly what is being asked of us. And I think, you know, Melissa has written and talked extensively about how uncomfortable she was during those years. To her credit, sure. you know, I never saw that she was afraid, anxious. I, you know, I never saw that in her. She's a gutsy, gutsy. She was a gutsy kid and yeah. she's a gutsy woman. Um, uh, I have a lot of respect for Melissa. Uh, no romance with Melissa. I, I would say Got it. probably not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is, this is like a, Fairly basic question, which we've probably answered before, but this is from Christine. I just want to make sure everybody gets their question answered. What was your favorite moment in Little House on the Prairie? That's got to be really hard, but hmm. any anyone that pops in your head right away when you think of that. You know, I think that, the, you know, the, the, the episode that was the most important episode that I was involved in was Sweet mm-hmm. 16. Because, yeah, I figured you, know, you were going to say that. The, yep. the relationship you know, comes to, uh, the relationship is starting to come together. And then there was, there were some nice moments. I mean, I, I cringe when I see the kiss scene because I think I was playing it younger than she was. And, um, because again, it just couldn't be threatening at all. Right. Right. So I'm as, I'm as more nervous than she is about this first kiss. And one has to presume, you know, at some point he had to have kissed somebody. Right. Uh, Right. You know, so, um, 
but you know, I, I look at those moments and the, you know, the moments of recognition and um, coming to pick her up and ask her to go to the church social. And she says, I'll think about it. And, you know, and he's a little thrown by that. And that turn was really a nice little moment. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the episode is so memorable to me because it just got, it had a massive audience and it's one of the few shows that I was involved in, in Little House that replayed for its original run and got two runs in prime time during the summer, which yeah. was, which was really unusual that it didn't, because it just, it was rated as the, at least on IMDb, it was rated as the, as the episode of Little House that had the highest level of audience engagement of any episode in the history of the series. And there were some that were right there, but that one was noted as that because people were just fascinated to see this relationship come oh. together. Because they love, you know, she was America's sweetheart. Exactly. And, and people wanted to see who Laura's going to fall in love with and is this going to work out? Right. And of course, once the kiss happened, it was going to work out. You know, in, in, in that world, no kiss happens if it's not going to work out. If, right. it, you know, that kiss, it's going all the way. Right. And, exactly. You know, there's no second thoughts about as much as they had some bumps in the road, but there's, they're, they're going all the way with this. It, there's going to be an I do yep. in the future in, in oh, yeah. Little House World. And I think the audience, love the romance of that you know there still do it was, it was simple beautiful predictable what's going to happen you know michael threw some things in the way that you know that made that made it not a smooth run to the altar but but you knew they were going to get there and if you'd read the books you knew they were going to get there yeah so um i i wish we'd done some of the things that the way laura wrote it in the in the books with the wonderful carriage ride and the wonderful conversation that they have about, you know, would you like a ring? And um, that would depend on who offers me, she says. And then, well, what if it was me? Then she said it would depend on the ring. And, uh, and writing that for a 16 year old girl. Yeah. Yep. You know, Laura's writing this. She's in her, you know, she's in her early seventies when she's writing this now. Right. But I love the the free agency that she gave Laura as a little as a young woman mm -hmm. to not be bowled over by this, to not be flummoxed by it. She had the presence of mind to put him on the spot and say, it, you know, depends on, you know, depends on who's asking and it depends on the ring if it's you. <laughs> it is. That's awesome. That's and then, so and, awesome. you know, and then a couple of days later, he gives her the ring and she accepts and they kiss once in the moonlight and boom done right that, it's they're there well believe me yeah and everybody knows that moment in the series everybody um well listen dean I, you know I, I loved our first interview uh but i loved this one just as much i mean my gosh it was just really cool i i learned a ton i i mean the fans gave you some great questions but great man, questions. thank you yes thanks to all of your listeners who uh sent you questions for this it was you know and there you're right there were some really good questions yeah very solid and your answers were great i mean i, I gotta tell you not you know you it's i know it's always hard to take too much you know praise or whatever 
But I'm telling you, I, you know, I've talked to different people and you, when you answer the questions, you put everything into it, you put depth into it. It's not just a, it was a tough day. You know, I mean, it's like, you really give it. And, and I know that that means so much to the fans, you know, not just the people that ask the question, but the fans are going to listen going, now that was cool. I didn't know about that, you know? So well, um, I appreciate that. Thank you for that, John. And thanks to them. And, uh, you know, I, I said this to you the first time I say it to everybody, and I mean it genuinely, you know, Little House was the gift of a lifetime, and uh, it has been that. And who knew, I could never have predicted 44 years ago, when I was doing this, that I would still be talking about it so vividly today. And it's because of people like the people, your your listeners who sent questions that love this show, that's what that's what keeps they keep it alive. Wow. You know, it's it's all of them that keep it alive and allows us to allow us to continue to stay connected to it. If you know if no one was watching, no yeah. one would be talking about it. So right. um it's a real gift and I'm very appreciative of it. Very cool. Well, thanks a bunch for being on again. I uh, I love seeing you. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Yeah, by thank all you. means. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Thanks again. Thanks for coming. And uh, please check us out also on youtube.com slash that's classic TV, where you can actually watch and see the celebrities that are on the show. Thanks again. Bye bye.